1: in it's another episode of nascar coast to coast presented by wheel and engineering on the road in the air and around the world wheel is trusted to be seen trusted to be heard and trusted to perform as always here at mrn hq in concord north carolina i'm chris wilner mrn pit reporter mrn announcer kyle ricky out in connecticut K rick you avoided the flooding monsoon that was downtown chicago but nonetheless history was made this past weekend on the street circuit in Chicago with NASCAR Cup Series and Xfinity Series. Uh, what a cool event. I know from my point of view, being there, it was surreal. Despite Mother Nature, despite some of the delays that we had, I think the fans really appreciated NASCAR uh, taking the risk and, and coming down to downtown Chicago. Uh, I know you paid attention a little bit from afar. What was your take on NASCAR history's making weekend?
2: Yeah, it was a great event, both the Xfinity race until the lightning hold, and then the, the NASCAR Cup race. Um, once it got going amazing events, uh, I think there were a lot of doubters and, uh, certainly they were, I think for the most part silenced and it makes you wonder what the event could have been. If not for mother nature, if the Xfinity race would have run to the distance if the cup race would have run off on time. And if all the concerts, cause I know that was a huge part of that two days there, if all four of them would have gone off as scheduled, um, just, a. Uh, an incredible event without a lot of that, and it makes you wonder, you know, what it could have been. Hopefully, we, we can find out next year.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and, you know, having been part of that weekend with the MRN crew, kind of learning about the logistics of things, you know, certainly there are things to work on, right? Anytime you have a brand-new event, especially a street circuit with the logistics with teams and things like that, I know stuff's going to get ironed out on that front, but, I mean, they're prepared to come back, right? Like, they already have Julie Giese, the track president, said that the concrete barriers and everything were going to have a storage you know, storage home downtown in Chicago close to the track so that they're ready to go and keep those ready uh, for next year. So, of course, we'll see kind of what happens with NASCAR, the city, the Chicago. But uh, nonetheless, like you said, what could have been maybe uh, in the sunshine, maybe a little bit better of a crowd uh, on Sunday. But nonetheless, they still came out as soon as we got the okay to go. And I think the racing, you know, ended up being spectacular, especially watching Shane Van Gisbergen run through the field through 18th there on that final run. So uh, we'll see what happens. But nonetheless, I think an overall success for NASCAR, props to everybody, Ben Kennedy, the entire crew, uh, for getting that vision to life. So uh, we've got a huge show coming up for you. Of course, lots of news and notes in the worlds of short track, grassroots NASCAR racing. Of course, we have a new winner in the ARCA West Series this year. Yes, shocker, not Landon Lewis or Sean Ronnie We've got somebody else. We'll talk about that. Some controversy in the Virginia Triple Crown opener. Of course, Burt Myers uh, a big win on the Smart Tour. He is joining us via uh, Zoom or phone call. We'll figure that out here in a little bit. So we'll talk to the modified driver of car number one. And, of course, big races coming up this week. we we'll preview Slinger Nationals on Tuesday after this coming weekend. So, uh, Kyle, 4th of July was busy, of course, all across the country. Let's start with the ARCA West Series at Irwindale. And it was a father-son moment. Trevor Huddleston breaking a three-year drought in the West, the West Series wins at his father's track in Irwindale. And it was pretty cool. Little father-son interview in Victory Lane, too. Very special uh, for that driver.
2: Yeah, we've had Trevor on before to talk about the the family business. And, and of course, his father, Tim, owns and, and runs that property out there in in California, the Irwindale Speedway, and it was pretty cool to see Tim interview Trevor in Victory Lane once the event was over, but but a good race, another good field of cars, Uh, Eric Nascimento, uh, somebody that we haven't really talked about much this year, finishing in the second spot, Uh, Tanner Reif, Todd Souza rounding out the top four, Point leaders struggled. Uh, they finished deeper in the pack. Landon Lewis finished back in the ninth position, maintains the championship point lead. You mentioned Sean Hingarandi a little bit ago, uh, 12th the other night at Irwindale and lost a bit of ground in the championship standings. But um, overall a, a good race as the Arkham Menards West Series gets set for their kind of midsummer stretch here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that I think that was the biggest shock was Sean hitting the wall there with 63 yep. laps to go. Uh, looked like it was going to be another, you know, walk in the park for that driver who's already been to victory lane there. So, uh, interesting turn of events. But, of course, that is what makes the ARCA West Series and really the ARCA Menards platform so interesting. Is you never know what's going to happen, you never know which names are going to come to the forefront. Certainly, Trevor was, uh, his name was called this weekend. So, congratulations to Trevor. Uh, let's move on to some late model racing. South Boston Speedway, of course, we talked about. The points battle for the championship, for the track championship, I should say. Peyton Sellers, Carter Langley. But uh, this weekend, it was drama in the tech shed. Uh, Carson (laughs) Quapel was disqualified. Bobby McCarty was ruled the winner down there in the opener of the uh, Virginia Triple Crown, the Harley-Davidson 200 over the weekend. I mean, Kyle, I've kind of noticed this is happening a little bit more often in the world of late model racing. The host race two, three hours later, sometimes even the next day, uh, disqualification due to some parts infractions or rules discrepancies. In this case, some I think it was a spring issue uh, on that race car. So what, what is your thought on this? Obviously, obviously, rules are rules, right? You got to follow them. But it seems like we're kind of noticing these penalties more and more. It even happened in the Cars Tour not too long ago.
2: Yeah, and especially in the big events for the late models, like the the 200 at South Boston. I'm sure we'll see it at Langley in a few weeks' time and Martinsville at the end of the year. Um it's a good thing uh, to keep everybody on, obviously, at a level playing field. I think it, it's the the perception is bad in, in the heat of the moment that, uh, you know, now we've seen, what, two pretty big disqualifications in the last two weekends of racing, uh, going back to the Cars Tour last week. But uh, hopefully, you know, the last two weeks sends a message to these race teams. And, and, and I, you know, I often wonder if these teams even know that the parks, and, and in this case it was a left rear shock, Uh, that didn't meet compliance, you know, and and the way late model racing and short track racing in general is, is, you know, sometimes the rule book can get too thick sometimes. And do the teams are, are they even aware that the left rear shock is out of compliance? And I guess some are probably more obvious than others, but um, I think it's a good thing in the long run, but, you know, short term, the perception is bad and good on Bobby McCarty to pick up uh, the race win. And what was a uh, fairly Wild race at times, tame there toward the end. I know they were hustling to get it in before mother nature came. Uh, it was fun to watch on flow on Saturday night.
1: it was, and I think to go to your point too as well, maybe oops, maybe something to fix this situation maybe is the pretext situation. I know Landon yeah. Huff finished third. he also was disqualified for a very similar thing, and you look at both of those drivers, Carson and Landon, they run Car's tour the rule book a little bit different than what they run uh, on the Correct. national. Schedule. So, uh, there's some, and, and Landon even said on Twitter that he went through pre-race or pre-tech as they call it and passed with flying colors. So why was that not picked up until post-race? We will never know. I am not a technical expert, but it's one of those things where, like you said, the technical rule book gets so thick, maybe some things fly under the radar. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of gets made of this moving forward. I do know Landon has appealed that disqualify, disqualification. So we'll see. What happens down the road, but a lot of controversy, although, like you said, a great race out there at South Boston. Uh, let's move on to the North-South Super Late Model uh, Challenge at Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. Of course, an awesome racetrack whenever we get super late models or pro late models out there at Nashville Fairgrounds. Jake Garcia picking up the win, and Jake Garcia, a name that we talk about on the Motor Racing Network as well on the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series side, running for yep. the rookie of the year this year. Uh, a good confidence boost to pick up a super late model win. I know it's not a truck win, but sometimes if, you know, like in basketball, if you watch one go through the hoop, it could kind of spiral down the road. So what do you think about Jake uh, and his progression, not only in the late models, but, you know, in the truck series this year?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a good confidence boost, especially when you hold off guys like Steven Nassi and Gio Ruggiero who are, you know, at the top of their game right now. We've talked about Geo for the better part of the last year and a half, a driver from my neck of the woods here in Seekonk, Massachusetts. Obviously, Steven Nassi, you know, for many, many years now has has been toward the top of the super late model uh, game. So good for Jake. I uh, love his progression up into the NASCAR national series. Uh back when, you know, he was running legend cars not that long ago. He's kind of come up through the ladder and um is shining bright uh or shined bright last this past weekend on one of the nation's great short tracks, the Nashville Fairground Speedway. Good field, 18 cars took the green flag and, and like I mentioned, you know, he was racing with some of the best in the business uh at the checker flag.
1: Yeah, we'll see him at Mid-Ohio here this week. And, of course, you can hear that Truck Series race on the Motor Racing Network. Uh, Jared Fryer was named the winner at Conway. Again, we're talking about post-race uh, technical infractions. Of course, this race was run last Wednesday, so uh, we talked about it a little bit. It was happening when we recorded this episode or this Coast to Coast episode last week. Uh, but it was originally Lane Riggs who made a yep. heck of a story with Kevin Harvick running that car. Rodney Childers, the crew chief, getting rotting to victory lane back in a late model. That was all for naught due to another technical infraction. Of course, this time it was Jared Fryer picking up the win. Uh, What did you think of that race, Kyle? Of course, it was happening during the the recording of our episode, but at the same time, uh, the partnership with Lane, of course, the national champion coming off last year uh, and getting some truck series rides and now partnering with Rodney Childers and KHI, uh, it seemed like to be a match made in heaven, just unfortunately didn't work out uh, post-race.
2: Yeah, it seemed to be a match made in heaven, and, and it was. You know, they led a majority of the event, 125 laps of Firecracker 125 there at the Carraway Speedway. But, you know, again, comes down to post-race infractions. Uh, we found out, I think almost 48 hours later, uh, that, that the DQ was going to come down. I think it was Friday morning or, or mid-Friday from the Wednesday night event. Um, you know, I mean, it happens. You know, it just it, it sucks, especially when, you know, somebody that's involved in the series and the car are involved in kevin harvick so um you know they'll move on from it they'll learn from it and and again you know uh, overall you know it seemed like a very successful event there uh, at caraway speedway which has been fairly uh busy racetrack here these last couple weeks
1: it certainly has and i appreciate too rodney childers went on twitter was very transparent about what he saw the infraction was and it was just honestly something that not many people knew it was in the rule book. So, again, that goes to your point. Are the rule books too thick? We'll have to see. But uh, congratulations to Jared picking up the big win out there with the Cars Tour at Caraway. Before we get to our guest who's standing by, that is Burt Myers. Let's talk about, quickly, the race. The Smart Tour out at uh, Revo- what well, was called the Revolutionary 99 for the Smart Tour this weekend. Uh, Bobby Labani got a top 10 in sixth place, but it was all Burt Myers holding off his arch nemesis at Bowman Gray, and that's Tim Brown. What did you think of the race and uh, Burt Myers getting his second straight Smart Tour win?
2: Good show. Uh, great field of cars. 26 cars took the green flag. Not a lot of cautions. I think it was slowed just twice due to yellow. Good to see Connecticut native Ronnie Williams uh, make the trip down south. And get a podium finish, finishing in the third spot, uh, having a race behind two of the best in the business down there uh, on both the Smart Tour and, of course, Bowman Gray. We'll talk about that later in, in Tim Brown and Burt Myers. But um, first repeat winner of the year, you know, they were on a stretch of, I believe, five for five. And now in race number six, uh, Burke goes two for two in the last two Smart Modified races. Competitive field, Modified Racing um, has seen its ups and downs down south over the last decade, you know, in NASCAR. Became involved in the NASCAR Wheel and Modify Tour and then got out. And then, you know, there was a lot of questions of to the future, but it has built back up nicely here in the last couple of years, especially this season. And uh, Brittany Zamora made her modified debut uh, behind the wheel of an open modified car there, ran a couple laps uh, at Carraway. So, you know, it's really grown. And uh, But well, I guess one thing that hasn't changed are the names at the front. And uh, we'll talk to one of them here in just a moment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And he's standing by on Zoom or the phone. So we're going to get to the quick break and then we're going to have Mr. Burt Myers join us. He'll talk to us about that win at Caraway in the points championship, both in the Smart Tour and, of course, a dead heat at Bowman Gray as we sit uh, just about halfway through the season. So lots to talk about with Mr. Burt Myers. It's coming up next on the flip side of this break here on NASCAR Coast to Coast, presented by Wheelin Engineering. joining us on the phone it is the winner of the most recent smart race tour or smart tour race i should say at caraway second straight win of the tour we're talking about burt myers who joins us now on the phone burt congratulations my friend uh let's talk about caraway at at, at first you're the first two-time now winner this year in the smart tour series what is it about caraway and what was it about this weekend that set you guys up for success
3: well we've been we've been really good at caraway here lately uh we had some mechanical problems
1: earlier in the year there when
3: we were leading the race but um just hard work you know hard work and dedication and trying to do what we can to to get to victory lane and here we are fortunate enough to be talking to you guys about winning two in a row
2: Two in a row in what has been seemingly a very competitive season. Five different winners in the first five races. You become the first repeat. We're talking before the break about the health of the Smart Tour right now. 26 cars took the green this past weekend at Carraway. How do you see it? As somebody that's been a part of this tour for so long, modified racing in the South, as far as touring, has, has kind of seen its ups and downs the last decade or so with NASCAR coming in and then leaving and then, you know, the smart folks coming in and and kind of building this program backed up back up to what seems to be very successful right now.
3: Yeah, I think uh, I think the proof's in the pudding, as they say, I think uh, when you look at not only the car count, but some of the venues that the Smart Series is going through now and then the competition, like you said, you know, uh, up until I won Saturday night, five different winners. Um, what was the first year? I think it was what, eight? eight different winners out of 11 races so I, I think that what you're seeing right now is uh proof that southern modified racing is alive and well and um you know you guys know where I come from obviously it does my heart heart good um you know to be around back in the first days of smart uh to see it kind of go away and then to see how it's come back now uh, I think like I said I think with, you just open your eyes and, and see what's going on with the Smart Tour right now. You can see that it uh, seems to be going really well.
1: What is clicking for you and your team, especially in the Smart Tour this year, with being at your second victory in a row? I mean, do you feel like you guys have turned a page this year? Obviously, we t- you just touched on the parity and the competitiveness of the series, but what's been the difference these last two weeks that's kind of gotten you guys on a roll? Well,
3: I, it's hard to say. I mean, you know, in racing, it's hard to pinpoint one specific thing, but uh, even earlier in the year, I mean, we we were third. What were we third three or four times, and we were one adjustment away, or either one uh, situation away from having three or four wins already. Uh, the competition is just so stout that one mistake or one mishap or one thing that doesn't go just right, and you don't win. And um, Franklin County, I wouldn't give you a nickel for the car when we made our pit stop, but. Uh, my crew chief, Jamie, made some adjustments after we talked about what we thought we needed. And next thing you know, we drive to the front win the race. And Caraway, we've kind of been, you know, I've been going there since I was a kid. And we we did learn some stuff at the North-South Shootout last year and ran second to Hirschman. We've kind of adopted some of that over to what we've been doing at Carraway. And it paid off for us again Saturday night. But uh, the PSR car, we're, we're learning it a little bit more every race we go out. And um, just like I said, working hard and just trying to get better and better. And um, you know how it goes whenever the train's running full speed, you try to ride it when you can.
2: Oh, yeah. Keep the the trains on the tracks and and keep on digging. Um, We talked about the the competitiveness of the series, Uh, a lot of different names, a lot of familiar names such as yourself and Tim. But Bobby Labonte, the last couple of years, has run, for the most part, I believe, full time in the Smart Tour, uh, what has he been able to, to bring to that series? Oh, well,
3: him and you've got you've Ryan Newman and, and yep. even some of the northern guys that are coming in and out. Uh, I think it just shows what kind of platform Smart has given Modified Racers. Um, you know, Bobby has brought a lot of recognition. Um, I'll tell you a quick story, so Bobby Labonte actually came over with Chris Williams whenever he was renting my dad's car at Bowman Gray. And Chris said, Bobby's gonna come with me and hang out and he might wanna run some laps. And so Bobby comes over and he's talking to me about the modified at Bowman Gray. And I said, Bobby, you're messing up. And he said, what do you mean I'm messing up? I said, once you drive this car this morning, you're gonna forget about all the other races you've ever done. Well, you can imagine coming from a cup champion, what the look I got. <laughs> and so he goes out and he comes back in and he goes, oh my gosh. Well, the rest is history. Now he's running full time in the modified series. So, to me, and you guys know modifieds, to me, there's nothing more exciting, not just to drive, but to watch as a modified race. So it's, it's pretty cool that somebody like Bobby Labonte, uh, with his reputation and his success in, in upper-level NASCAR racing, has adopted these cars and come in and, and wants to be. You know, Bobby, Bobby Labonte can do anything he wants to in the whole wide world, and he wants to come drive a modified, and he wants to do it on the Smart Tour. So I think that speaks volumes.
1: Absolutely, and it's cool to hear that perspective because we heard Bobby tell us uh, earlier on an episode that story about how he got behind the wheel of a modified. So that's really, really good stuff. Hey, I want to ask you before we talk Bowman Gray: Was there ever a thought in your mind maybe to go take that 4000 four thousand uh, dollar challenge to start from the rear? I mean, we we kind of see it on the dirt stuff. Was it? Was that? Did that thought ever cross your mind there this weekend?
3: I think uh, whenever we whenever we heard rumors that that might happen. Um, Yeah, absolutely. We thought about it. And, you know, I've I've started last before at Carraway because of a mechanical problem or because something happened. We started last and then ended up winning the stage, and that's only a 30-lap run. So it's absolutely possible to come from the back to the front. I think Saturday night, one of the things that helped play into my decision was the weather and um, the way the track. Carraway's known for weepers. And so we kind of looked at the track and the track was weeping a little bit so it looked like it might have been a one group track and then also you know we were our goal was when we came into the night our goal was to try to lead every lap and win the race and maximizing points and everything else we could so with the weather kind of playing a factor on top of what our previous goal already was uh, we chose to opt out of, of taking that challenge but that doesn't mean i'll pass on it next time but <laughs> The way it worked out Saturday night, it was uh, I think it was in our best favor to, to not take
0: Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, underage sale prohibited. Introducing Zone Nicotine Pouches, the perfect balance of unparalleled comfort, longer-lasting flavor, and nicotine that satisfies. Whether you're zoning in during the race or zoning out after a tough day at work, Zone gets you there faster and keeps you there longer. Available in seven flavors and in six and nine milligram strengths. Find Zone at zonepouches.com and retailers near you. Own your zone with Zone Nicotine Pouches.
2: Chris mentioned Bowman Gray Stadium uh, just a moment ago. How are things going there? I believe tied for the point lead here just past the the midsummer break there at the stadium. Halfway, I guess a little over halfway through their 2023 campaign now.
3: Yeah, it's, um, man, can you believe it's already 4th of July? Uh, it's Crazy. hard to believe that this year's going by so fast. Yeah. Um, It's, listen, Bowman Gray is Bowman Gray. And, you know, I tell people and they look at me funny and we joke about, the thing about Bowman Gray is you're either hero or zero. Yep. You leave Bowman Gray thinking, man, what an awesome night. Or you leave Bowman Gray thinking, man, that stinks. There's no, oh, well, you know, that wasn't too bad. It just seems like it's either feast or famine. And, We've had feast and we've had famine. So uh, when you go to Bowman Gray, you have to take it one week at a time. Uh, You know, A lot of people joke with me about, I don't like talking about points. It's not that I don't think about the points, it's that I know that there's no need for me to think about the last race of the year and where I might stack up for the championship standings. I gotta think about this weekend. And so our goal when we go to the racetrack is to win. And then if you know you can't win that night, and you're running fourth or fifth, and you say, okay, we're getting down to 10 to go, you might think about don't do something stupid. Try to make sure you can get the finish that your best finish possible. Uh, But at Bowman Gray, man, there's so many factors that play into every decision you make. And uh, the handicap system, this weekend coming up, we have a 100 lap draw race, you can qualify on the pole and draw dead last. So uh, there's just so many variables at Bowman Gray, you just have to program yourself to take it one week at a time and if you can come out on top.
1: I feel ashamed in saying this, but I have not been up to the stadium yet this year, and I'm kicking myself for it. So I want to ask you as, as a driver who's run you know, there this season, I know last year some drama with the pavement, the repave of the racetrack. Some drivers weren't happy about how the way it raced, and it turned out to be, I think, okay. I heard they touched it over again this year. Where is the state of the racetrack at Bowman Gray here in 2023?
3: I think uh, they, they did. They supposedly uh, ground off a layer and then repaved it. So we no longer have the bumps and the dips. Uh, the track is smooth. But what we lost was what rubber we put down in that outside groove. Last year, it took it about halfway through the season before the outside groove came in. Well, we've already had, I think, four rainouts this year, and we've had a lot, a lot of rain uh, even during the week. So it's washed off a lot of the rubber that, that we've been able to lay down. The inside groove is fine. The outside groove seems to be getting wider and wider, or the, the actual racing groove seems to be getting wider and wider every week. Um, so it's coming. It's coming. I've been able to make some hay out there in several races this year, uh, but you're still seems to be more vulnerable to the guy on the inside of you right now than where I was hoping it would be at this point. Um, but if we can get some consecutive weeks in, and get that outside groove coming in, and just like I said about Saturday nights, a hundred lap double point with the cone with double file restarts. Those are the races we need to get the rubber laid down in the outside groove, so you can really make some competitive passes.
2: We have been doing this show on MRN now for I think twelve years, and and you have been a part of it since since day number one. You and Tim Brown are. For the most part, the drivers that have always been up toward the top of the standings, always winning races on a consistent basis. And that's why, you know, you guys are the all-time champions, all-time win leaders. Why do you think that is with all the different variables that you just mentioned a lot of them, cone races, double file restarts, draw races? I mean, so many things can happen there on any given Saturday night, but more times than not over these last 12 years, you guys, you two are the the two that come out on top, and now you're sitting tied for the point lead.
3: Well, I think a lot of it's just the history. Uh, you know, me and Tim both were going over there as kids. We grew up there. And we, uh, you know, be- before we even started driving, we were you know elbow deep working on our either his grandpa's or my dad's or whoever's race cars we were involved with. Um, and and it's not just to me; it's not just about working on the cars. It's also about Observing, And, you know, I feel like I've been through almost every scenario you can think of at Bowman Gray, but I'm sure Saturday night, something may pop up that is a surprise. And I tell people, the mindset you have to have at Bowman Gray Stadium is you cannot make a plan. You can say, okay, we're starting here. And there's this many laps and we're going to do this at this point and this at this point. That gets you spun out more than anything else, because whenever something happens that changes that plan, it lose you kind of lose focus on what your goal is. If you go in into an open with an open mind, like I do, uh, and I can't speak for Tim, I, I assume he kind of feels the same way. But whenever I take the green flag at Bowman Gray, that's exactly what I'm doing, taking the green flag. And you just kind of have to adapt to what happens. And how you adapt to those changes and how you handle those situations is what makes you a competitive driver or not. So um, Just experience of, if it has to boil down to one thing, I'd say experience of just, you know, the old saying, been there and done that.
1: For the casual fan who maybe has not made a trip out to Bowman Gray Stadium, and of course, now over the last year, we've had Flow Racing get involved, so you've been able to watch it on a streaming platform if you can't make it to the racetrack, but having been there, like Kyle said, you know, since almost the beginning of this show and as being a part of Bowman Gray for the last decade or two, what is... Bowman Gray Stadium mean to you? What is, wh- Why should fans make their way out there? What makes it great? And and of course the the nickname the Madhouse doesn't hurt either.
3: <laughs> well, I'm going to give you an analogy that just hit me. Yesterday, I don't. I, I guess in your area is the same as mine. Yesterday, it was ninety something degrees. Uh huh. And it Fourth of July. Now, would you rather? I, I'm not knocking Flow because Flow is great. We love the coverage. We appreciate what they're doing for our sport. But for the people who wanna sit at home and watch it versus coming out yesterday, would you rather look at a swimming pool on TV or would you rather be the one? That's Bowman Gray Stadium. You can watch it all day, but you come and you jump in and you experience it. There's a full field in every division. There is grandstands are packed. They start at eight o'clock on the dot and they're done by 1130. It's just it's a racer's honey hole. And uh me personally, obviously for us, our family history with our my, my granddad there in the fifties and then my dad keeping it going and me and my brother and now my son Slate. I mean it's just something that uh, something that you know what we're gonna be doing on Saturday night. We're not gonna be anywhere else. We're gonna be at Bowman Grade racing, race cars and um it's it's not just a it's not just a hobby for us, it's a lifestyle. And I would like to think that fans could come in and embrace that and i think when you do come in and embrace it uh you get an appreciation for it so it makes you want to come back and see it again
2: and my final question for you uh burt uh it's been a while since we've seen you up here north i'm i'm of course in connecticut just a few miles from the stafford motor speedway you've run there thompson speedway new hampshire i know budgets are, are big factor. scheduling is a big factor is there any plans to to come up north at any point this season and and race with the, the guys up here
3: i'd love to i'd love to i just i just have to have the opportunity um, yep. you know, racing down here bowman gray full-time and then racing the smart tour here full-time uh i'm doing my best and anybody out there that's listening that wants to try to put something together with a with a winning car I would love to be able to pull off uh, at least Martinsville and North Wilkesboro, Uh, but I love coming to Stafford and Thompson and some of those places. So uh, it's about logistics more than anything else. Um, I mean, I could pull it off. I could make it happen. I could take my car and my team and go make it happen, but uh, I don't wanna spread myself so thin that it hurts me where I'm trying to to win races in the South and and run for championship. So uh, to answer your question, I don't know yet right now, uh, but I, I would love it. It's not that I don't want to. It's that right now the logistics are not lining up.
1: Well, if you have, if you do get up to Stafford, make sure you give Kyle Ricky a call. He'll roll out the red carpet for you. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> hey, appreciate it, Bert. Congratulations on all the success so far this year. Looking forward to hopefully catching up down the road with a track championship or a series championship down the line.
3: I really appreciate it. Like I said, thank you guys for giving us an opportunity to –
1: to talk about this stuff and uh, and putting our names out there a little bit more. So thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Burt Myers, second straight win in the Smart Tour. Of course, we'll see him back in action this weekend at Bowman Gray. Coming up next on the other side of this break on NASCAR Coast to Coast, we're going to talk about the schedule and, of course, some news and notes over the weekend. short track racing. That's all coming up next. into nascar coast to coast presented by wheeling engineering just talked with burt myers kyle one of my favorite interviews i think so far this year why look at a swimming pool when you can be in one i think we're going to use that analogy several times but he's not wrong when it comes to bowman gray stadium of course i haven't i told him i hadn't been there this year but uh makes me want to just get in my car right now and go drive over there and go check it out
2: but you have been there before right
1: yes 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 oh
2: okay just making sure because it's quite an experience um it, it, it is a an auto race Believe it or not, it's not what, you know, a lot of people perceive it to be, uh, fighting with some racing, although that happens as well. But it's a show. It's a spectacle. It's been happening for for many, many decades. I believe it's NASCAR's first weekly track and and still obviously very active and very popular on Saturday nights when they run. I mean, they fill the place you know, 12,000, 13,000, up to 15,000 people on a regular basis. And and like Bert said, full fields in every division, and it doesn't take much to fill up that quarter-mile oval.
1: Not a lot. Of course, uh, like Bert mentioned, Hunter Lapper this weekend, double-file restarts. I mean, it's going to be insane. Of course, if you cannot make it to Bowman Gray on Saturday night, you can watch it on Flow Racing. All right, quick news and notes before we get to the schedule. Kyle, uh, big news out of NASCAR and good news for the Cars Tour, Kit Childress long time pace car driver and official with the NASCAR series, national series. He's going over to be the executive director of the cars tour. What do you make of this move? I actually saw Kip this weekend. It was before it was made public, but he kind of started to tell people that that was his last race weekend. First of all, what a way to go out being at the Chicago street race, but what gain does cars tour get in Kip Childers?
2: a huge gain and a lot of experience and a lot of different roles. I mean, we met Kip, for the first time years ago on this show when he was the director of the NASCAR uh, K&N West series at the time, now the Arkham and Ars West series. Um, it, so it's been a long time. You know, he obviously was the manager of of the garages on NASCAR's national series. Um, obviously the pace car driver. I'm going to miss his uh, photos that he tweets out and, and, and uh, puts on Instagram. Uh, from the pace car, of the cars and trucks zipping by on while he's sitting on pit road. Um, so much knowledge, so much experience, uh, so much class when it comes to running an event and, and, and dealing with the competitors, uh, dealing with the people. I, I mean, that can be so hard at times, and he handles those tough situations so well. So the Cars Tour, uh, a huge win uh, in getting Kip, um, you know, and, and at the same time, a huge loss. Uh, for for the NASCAR Cup Series and and all the national series that he's been involved with.
1: Yeah, congratulations, though, to Kip on a great career with NASCAR, a friend to everyone he met. Best of luck in your new role with the Cars Tour. All right, looking at the schedule, let's kick things off. The ARCA Menard Series back in action on the road course at Mid-Ohio. Left and right-hand turns. And, boy, it's going to be uh, hopefully not as dramatic as last year. We saw the wet and the dry come into a factor, some rules and fractions with a couple of the race leaders. We saw a handful of lead changes, and, of course, we saw Taylor Gray pick up the win, but he's not in the field this year. So will Jesse Love continue his domination, of course, talking about four wins in the last five races? Kyle, what can we expect at Mid-Ohio? I know uh, we have the MRN crew getting ready to go down there in ohio and it's a one of a one of my favorite road tracks as well when you look at the landscape it's in and the ebbs and flows of the racetrack of course the race down to the keyhole always interesting
2: beautiful facility historic facility so many great events have taken place there over the years including the arca race there a year ago you mentioned uh started in the the wet not as wet as chicago um but it yeah, I don't think you can get as wet as Chicago, uh, but it it was it was wet, and it was interesting to see that uh, you know every lap. And I remember I was out in the turn, out in turns uh, six, seven, and eight, that Thunder Valley area, um, where every lap the track changed. It got a bit drier. The sun came out. Teams were racing on the pit pit lane to to make adjustments. Uh, The Rev Racing Cars, you mentioned uh, they made improper adjustments at the wrong times and I think were penalized two laps in the process. Uh, They were pretty much eliminated from contention after having very fast race cars. So, um, you know, it's it's hopefully will be a good race. I haven't seen an entry list yet. Jesse Love finished fifth there a year ago, and I expect with the momentum that he's had this season, he'll uh, no doubt be in contention to pick up yet another win.
1: Of course, Jesse leads the points again over Frankie Munez, who's still with the model of consistency, minus a little bit of a hiccup here uh, in the last event. I mean, he's still within striking distance. Now, a driver I have my eye on is Andres Perez de Lara. He Mm -hmm. has had five top fives, I think, in the first six races, seven races. So he has been on fire. I think he's got a little bit more of that road racing background. Could prove dividends here at Mid-Ohio. So there'll be some names that I'm sure will rear... Uh their heads to the front of the field here when we get things going. Of course, that race, the Zinsser Smart Coat, 150 Friday, 6 o'clock Eastern Time on the Motor Racing Network for the Arkham Menard Series. Now, also coming up, it's not this weekend, but it'll be Tuesday, so it'll be before we have our next Coast to Coast episode. That is the 44th running of the Slinger Nationals out there in Wisconsin, one of the premier short track super late model races in the country. And I don't need to tell you, Kyle, who's involved and who's going to be racing because it literally is a who's who when you look at Wisconsin late model aces between truck series competitors and, of course, the Bubba Pollards and the Steven Nassies of the world.
2: And the Matt Kenseths and yeah. the Ty Majeskis. and the list goes on and on and and one of the most fun we talk about Bowman Gray it's something about these quarter mile ovals uh, Slinger you know you take Bowman Gray you add a ton of banking um, and and it puts on a fantastic race every year uh, when you start I think what twenty. 426 cars. I don't think they can start 30 there just logistically, but you know, great fields of some of the best and those are some of the big names that I'll be watching uh Tuesday night for the 44th running of the Slinger Nationals. I think I like I like Matt Kenseth, but I also like the momentum that Ty Majeski has right now in in I guess everywhere he goes. I feel like he's in contention and winning. So uh you know, those are just some of my favorites.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're going to win the race, you're going to Probably have to go through time. Majeski, although Chase Elliott is entered in this one as well. He made that announcement a few weeks ago. William Byron, Eric Jones from the Cup Series, also adding their names into the list, and of course that list continues to grow. There's 42 cars, I think, as of this show that were entered. A few more could enter their name into the ring before we get to this uh, next Tuesday. But of course that is Tuesday, July 11th, the Slinger Nationals. Of course, also Johnny Sauter is back behind the wheel of the late model as well, so that'll be fun. watch also coming up uh kyle you've got the open modified 80 i guess at stafford on friday night what can we expect how are things at stafford here as we get set what one week away now from uh the srx tour
2: yeah big event uh big kind of like a mini speed week uh friday night we have the gaf roofing open 80 for the open modifieds along with sk modifieds and late models all of our weekly divisions we take two days off we go cart racing next monday night wild thing carts SRX next Thursday, regular program next Friday, and then we breathe for a couple days before we do it all over again. So, um, yeah, it's going to be, be busy. Busy up here in the Northeast as well. The NASCAR Cup weekend at the New Hampshire Motor Speedway uh, in just over a week's time. Uh, the NASCAR Wheel and Modify Tour involved in that weekend. They're also at Wall Stadium. This weekend in New Jersey, uh, going to be another full field of cars there. Of course, um, Jimmy Blewett, the defending winner of the event. Ronnie Silk, the current point leader, after winning a couple of races already in 2023. So a lot happening up here in the Northeast.
1: Yeah, can't wait to check out the coverage from Wall. Of course, one of the uh, cool short tracks at the uh, NASCAR Willa Modified Tour visit. And of course, Legendary Racetrack means Legendary Racing. And some of those names will put on a good show out there. This weekend, uh, Also, you know, local racing down here in Hickory, Lang- Langley Riverhead. Of course, Cars Pro Late Model Tour is out at Wake County. Much, much more. And then right around the corner is the next big one for late model racing. That is the Red Bud 400, which the names have also grown on that entry list as well. We'll get into that. That's July 14th and the 15th. Well, Kyle, MRN is going down to mid-Ohio. We talked about that for the Arkham Menard Series. The insert Smart Coat 150. 6 p.m. Eastern Time Friday night as the Arkham Nard Series take on Mid-Ohio. Of course, the Truck Series will be on the MRN Airways as well. Saturday, the O'Reilly Auto Parts 150, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. uh, Parker Kligerman, the defending winner of that race in a thriller with Zane Smith. I know Zane is looking for redemption, but so too are the rest of those truckers going to visit mid-ohio so kyle you looks like you have a busy week i'm glad you're finally being put to work a little bit here you know i see bonza tweeting or you you your hey bonza videos he's doing all the work Let, let's pick up the slack a little bit what do you think well
2: i i can't show kyle working <laughs> i mean what fun would that be uh also speaking of work i yeah. want to give a shout out to our very own and i guess it's more of a, a good luck message to tim Cattlefamo, uh because he gets to climb. The scoreboard this oh, yes. weekend at the Mid Ohio Sports Car Course, the tallest turn position on the network. Um, it's like 120 feet up or something like that. Uh, I was told to live stream it last year, the climb, to make sure I got up there safely. Yeah. Um, it, you know, no major issues. Uh, you know, it's a safe ladder and all, but it, if you're not in shape, whoo. Uh, it, it can take a, a, a minute. So uh, Tim gets to enjoy that climb this weekend. So it, it, what, once you get up there, though, it's the best view, almost one of the best views on the tour. It's hard to be turned for at Daytona. Uh, but when it comes to being able to see uh, – a huge portion of one of the nicest road courses in the country. Uh, You're well above the tree line. It it is a magnificent view, but getting up there is a challenge. So good luck to Tim on Sunday or on uh, Saturday. It's
1: it's like a rite of passage or almost maybe I guess, I don't know, but good luck to to Timmy as he makes the climb, maybe bring some hiking shoes. Don't want to scuff up those brand new kicks that I know you bring out to the racetrack. So uh, best of luck again, of course, both Arca races and the, or the ARCA race and the truck series race right here on the Motor Racing Network, Friday night and Saturday afternoon. All right, thanks so much, Kyle. Lots to talk about this week. Good show. We'll see you next week, and uh, I'm going to take the nice weekend off, so looking forward to catching up all the racing on Flow and all the streaming services. Thanks so much for tuning in once again to NASCAR Coast to Coast, presented by and Engineering. On the road, in the air, and around the world, and is trusted to be seen, trusted to be heard, and trusted to perform. For Kyle Ricci, our producer Pat Jaggers, I'm Chris Wilner. We'll see you next time on Coast to Coast.